And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. How many of you have ever been, had the opportunity, I'm not sure how to word it, <laughs> uh, to, right, let me, matches too much, uh, to, to swear on the truth legally? How many of you have ever served on a jury? Yeah, a bunch of you, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you probably didn't volunteer for the job. But you couldn't get out of it, so you went ahead and fulfilled your civic duty. Uh, sometimes we're forced to make a verdict on someone that we would rather not. Uh, but to make no verdict is to actually make a verdict. To be neutral sometimes is to take sides. Maybe, like jury duty, we didn't ask to be involved. Uh, it was thrust upon us. And now we're faced with a decision that we would just as soon not make. Well, that was a situation that Pilate found himself on that uh, April morning. He hadn't even gotten or uh, eaten breakfast when he was heard a clamor outside of his residence there in Jerusalem. Uh, and he didn't want to be in Jerusalem, but he had to be there. He much preferred his seaside quarters in Caesarea, away from the center of Jewish religious life. Uh, he hated these stubborn, difficult-to-govern Jews. He didn't appreciate their religion. Why couldn't they be more tolerant and, and open-minded like the Romans? But he was there. He had to be there, governor of Judah. He couldn't afford to stay away from Jerusalem because Passover was coming when thousands of extra Jews would flood the city. And he simply had to maintain law and order. And grumbling to his wife, perhaps, he got out of bed and went to see what these pesky Jews uh, wanted of him at this hour. And he found out that they had a prisoner that they wanted him to judge right then and there. And Pilate didn't want to be bothered, and he told them to judge him according to their own laws. Now, the problem was they wanted Jesus put to death, and Roman law would not allow the Jews to inflict uh, capital punishment. And so, without warning that morning, Pilate was asked, or tasked, excuse me, with making a verdict on Jesus. Now, whether a person comes in, or, or whenever a person comes in contact with Jesus, uh, no matter how inadvertent that contact is, whether he realizes it or not, um, he's faced with the most important decision of his life. If he decides to investigate further, and he eventually opens his life to Christ, uh, his life and eternal, de eternal destiny, they head in one direction. If he ignores what he has heard, or if he ridicules it or rejects it, his life and eternal destiny may in go in another opposite direction. To do nothing is, uh, or to put off a decision is actually to decide. Neutrality is impossible when it comes to Jesus. So our verdict regarding Jesus Christ is the most important decision we will ever make. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, uh, we just uh, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Uh, it reveals that truth to us, which is essential for life. And God, pray that you would speak to our hearts as we consider what it means to uh, make Jesus Lord, to believe him, or, and what it looks like to reject him. And even as Corey prayed, Father, help us to see in our own lives, uh, we're looking at examples of men who rejected Christ. And every day we do the same in small ways, some of us in big ways. So God, I pray that you would just uh, speak to our hearts, convict us where we need it, encourage us where we need it, all for your honor and glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Well, having been kind of presented with Jesus Christ, that decision for good or ill, it turns around and makes us. In Matthew's account of the trial, Pilate asked the Jews, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Now that crucial question is the most important question in life for each of us. What will you and I do with Jesus Christ? Now our text portrays three main characters or sets of characters who made the fatal decision to reject Jesus Christ. So we need to learn from their, let's call it negative example. So number one, the men who rejected Christ teach us lessons to avoid. At first, A, we have the Jewish leaders, and in them we see willful, knowing rejection of Christ. These men had seen just repeated evidence that Jesus was their Messiah. He had taught as no one had ever taught. He had done some really powerful, undeniable miracles to back up his claim. He fulfilled numerous prophecies from their own scriptures. But they willingly, knowingly rejected him because he was a threat to their power, to their position. John 19.11 reports that Jesus told Pilate that the one who delivered Jesus up to him had greater guilt. Uh, granted, Pilate was guilty for what he did, but the Jewish leaders, and Caiaphas in particular, had greater guilt. Now, the worst decision possible is to hear about Christ, to know what he did, and yet to reject him. Now, among themselves, the Jewish leaders accused Jesus of blasphemy because he claimed to be the Son of God. That was, that was why they wanted to put him to death. That was, that was in their mind, the, the impetus behind going to Pilate and getting the death penalty. Uh, but they knew that that charge wouldn't hold any water with the Roman uh, governor. <laughs> and they needed his approval to put Jesus to death. So they trumped up some charges against Jesus that would be of more concern to Pilate, namely that this man, which is just a, it's a, it's a term of contempt there, uh, this man was misleading the nation, really three things, misleading the nation, he was forbidding the Jews from paying taxes to Caesar, and he was calling himself Christ, a king. Now the first two are patently false, not true in any, any, any sense. Uh, the third was true, but not in the sense that they put it before Pilate. He was decidedly not leading a political revolution. In fact, that was one reason they rejected him as Messiah. They wanted a political Messiah, but Jesus had refused to take on that role. But now the accusation in this twisted form, it was useful, and so they flung it at Pilate. And in so doing, they were actually breaking the ninth commandment against bearing false witness. Now note that these men who were acting so wickedly against Jesus, they were not only religious men, they were religious leaders. But religious involvement is simply not enough. Outward religion that doesn't touch the heart, that is no preventative against rejecting Christ. Not only were they religious leaders, but they were, they were unanimous that Jesus had to go. Verse 1 says, the whole company sent Jesus to Pilate. Now, these were the Pharisees and Sadducees that made up that group. Pharisees and Sadducees did not get along. They spent more time at each other's throat than anything else. But here, they could come together in their opposition against Jesus. The majority, even a unanimous majority of religious leaders can be dead wrong. Well, not only did they agree, they agreed passionately. 
They brought accusations against Jesus to Pilate. But when he said that he found no guilt in him, they kept on insisting that Jesus was guilty. And then when Pilate uh, sent Jesus to Herod, they followed along and vehemently accused him before Herod. But even though they felt so passionately against Jesus, they were passionately wrong. In their fury, they could take a strand of evidence here and a strand there and, and twist them into just outright falsehoods against Jesus. You see, their strong feelings, their, their passion had clouded their clear thinking. They were bound and determined to do one thing, and that was to get rid of Jesus. Why were these men so strongly opposed to Christ? It wasn't that they suddenly became patriotic towards Rome and felt that Jesus was a threat to Roman sovereignty. That seems to be what they're presenting to Pilate. And Pilate could see that that was not true. Mark 15.10 tells us that he knew, Pilate knew, that the chief priests had delivered up Jesus because of envy. Now that Greek word envy, uh, it refers to being jealous of another person's success with the evil intent of bringing him down. The fact is, Jesus was a threat to the Jewish leader's power and prestige. He confronted their sin. Do you remember he upset their tables in the temple and threatened that profitable religious business that they had going on? He convicted them of their selfishness and their rebellion against God. Now, even today, the main reason that people knowingly, willingly reject Jesus Christ is that they don't want to give up their sin. They resent Jesus uh, confronting their comfortable way of life. They like running their own lives and they don't want to yield to Jesus as Lord. And so, like these religious leaders, they're vehement in their hatred toward Jesus as Lord and Christ. They'll do anything to get him out of their lives. They'll even invent and believe in lies. Well, second, B is Pilate. In him, we see, we see that he's compromising his integrity to save himself. Pilate governed Judea from, uh, for Rome from A.D. 26 to 36, a 10 or 11 year reign there. He was a politician in the worst sense of the word. His aim in life was to promote himself. He was always concerned with acting in ways that would be advantageous to his own position, to his own image. He didn't like the Jews... And they didn't like him, and for good reason. Early in his rule, he had angered them by sending in soldiers into Jerusalem with military banners, okay, standards, bearing emblems that the Jews thought were idolatrous. And when they resisted, he threatened to kill them. You know what they did? They laid down and bared their necks as if, okay, go ahead, kill us. Pilate either had to yield or risk open rebellion, which he couldn't afford. So he gave in, and he lost face in the deal. Another time, he outraged the Jews by taking some of their money from the temple, a temple treasury, to finance an aqueduct. Now, they rioted, and many Jews were killed. And that resulted in Pilate receiving a, just a severe scathing uh, a rebuke from, from Rome. Jesus referred to another uh, incident there in Luke 13 where Pilate had mingled the Galileans' blood with their sacrifices. So Pilate and the Jews, they had clashed frequently. He couldn't afford word of another incident reaching Rome. 
And although he hated the Jews and, and he knew that they were accusing Jesus strictly out of envy, uh, he had to placate them. He had to you know, make them happy to save his own neck, even if it meant the death of an innocent man. Now, Luke abbreviates the exchange between Pilate and Jesus. doesn't say much. A longer version is found in John 18. Here in Luke, uh, he reports Pilate asking, Are you the king of the Jews? Now, in Greek, uh, there, the you is emphatic. Okay, and so the sense may be a, an incredulous, somewhat sarcastic question. You remember Jesus had already been beat in the face. He had been spit upon. He didn't exactly look kingly, if you know what I mean. So Pilate, Pilate may have been saying, so this is what the king of the Jews looks like, is it? Well, after examining Jesus, Pilate went out to the Jewish leaders and he gave his verdict. I find no guilt in this man. Pilate didn't see Jesus as a political threat to Rome's rule. Now, at this point, he should have dismissed the Jews, given Jesus a military escort to get him out of the city safely, and then the case would have been over. But the Jews kept insisting that Jesus stirred up the people, teaching all over Judea, starting from Galilee, which was in the north, even as far as this place. So all the way from Galilee down to Jerusalem, he had been stirring up the people. And when, when, and when uh, Pilate heard the word Galilee, he was like, Doing! the lights went off. And he said, uh, he inquired, is he Galilean? When he found out he was, he says, okay, I know what I'll do. I'm going to send him to Herod. He falls under Herod's jurisdiction. And since Herod was also in town for the Passover, Pilate could send Jesus to Herod just to get rid of the case. Now, that's an old political maneuver called passing the buck. And at the very least, sending Jesus to Herod might serve to patch up a quarrel that the two men had been having over some jurisdictional issues. It was kind of a win-win situation for Pilate. But Pilate did not relieve, I mean, Herod did not relieve Pilate of the case. He actually made fun of Jesus, but he implicitly did not see Jesus as guilty of the charges or he wouldn't have sent him back to Pilate. Now, when they brought Jesus back from Pilate, Pilate was forced to deal with the angry demand of the Jews. And you know the outcome. And we're going to look at Pilate further here in a couple weeks, Lord willing. But for now, note that he was a man um, who, under pressure, was willing to compromise what he knew to be right uh, to save his own skin even if it meant the death of an innocent man three times he told the Jews I find no guilt in this man but in spite of this he finally caved into the pressure and granted the Jews demand to crucify Jesus because he wanted to save his own career to save his own position in so doing he incurred the guilt of crucifying the Son of God now, simply put, Pilate put himself ahead of Jesus. Now, that mistake, that had eternally horrible consequences, and it still does today. There are many today who make that same mistake. They come into contact with Jesus. They sense that he is right, that he speaks the truth. But they also know that if they follow him, it's going to cost them if they always tell the truth and are honest about financial matters, they might not get that promotion. I mean, let's face it, uh, everybody knows you just can't make it in the business world if you don't cut a few corners. And if they took a bold stand for Christ, others might think they were weird and not like them. So they yield to pressure. They compromise what they know inwardly to be right and true. 
Well, third, C, we have Herod. And in him we see just curious interest without any repentance. Now, only Luke includes the story of Jesus being shuttled off to Herod Antipas. Now, Herod Antipas, the one that, that Jesus is going to, is the son of Herod the Great. You remember him? Early on, he's the one that killed all the babies in Bethlehem trying to kill Jesus some 33 years earlier. Well, his son, Herod Antipas, ruled over Galilee and Perea from 4 B.C. to 39 A.D. That's a long tenure, 43 years. This is the Herod that John the Baptist had reproved because he had dumped his first wife and married his brother's wife, Herodias. Now, Herodias, she hated John. And simply to keep her at bay, Herod put John in prison. And that's where he ended up dying. But you know what? He also feared John, knowing that he was a righteous man. He often listened to John talk about spiritual matters. And then came that fateful day when Herod got drunk at his own birthday party and rashly promised the daughter of Herodias up to half of his kingdom because he enjoyed her sensual dancing. Well, she asked for John's head on a platter. And Herod reluctantly complied so as not to lose face before his dinner guests. After this, when Herod heard of Jesus' preaching and miracles, he was haunted by guilt, thinking this might be John the Baptist who has risen from the dead. Now, Jesus called Herod a fox, referring to his just crafty cowardice. Herod had wanted to see Jesus for a long time because he was hoping to see some sign performed by him. And now, finally, he got that chance. From his conversations with John, Herod knew the right questions to ask. He kind of found theology fascinating, and he wanted to hear what this famous teacher would say to his intelligent questions. But it was as if, it was as if Jesus were deaf. <laughs> the longer he refused to respond, the more foolish Herod looked in front of his men. His anger began to build. But rather than explode, the cunning Herod began to mock Jesus. Did you run out of miracle power today, Jesus? If you're a king, where are your men? Where's your army? What happened to all those fishermen followers that you had? Well, someone came up with a kingly robe and they draped it over Jesus' shoulders. And, of course, that just added to the laughter and the scorn. Herod pictures for us a person who likes to dabble in spiritual matters but has no intention of applying it personally so as to repent. He was like the people who find Bible prophecy interesting, but they never seem to make the connection that Bible prophecy is predicting their own doom if they don't repent. So Herod wanted to see Jesus. Think of the interesting stories he could have told uh, if he saw Jesus do a miracle or two. He was curious about Christ, but when Christ's silence burned into his conscience, he was not willing to repent. Instead, he diverted his guilt by pouring contempt on the very Son of God. Now, we need to realize that anytime a sinner sees Jesus, he's going to be confronted with the need for repentance. While we find Herod's contempt and mocking of Jesus uh, just vulgar and repulsive, don't we treat Jesus with contempt when we make him less important than, say, Facebook or whatever else we waste time doing? Don't we treat Jesus with contempt when we put our own business ahead of him? 
most of us would jump at the chance that Pilate and Herod had that today. How many of you would like to have a personal interview with Jesus? Now, there's coming a day as believers, yes, we will do that in his presence. I'm talking about now. If Jesus could just walk through the door and you could sit down with him for 15 minutes and just talk to him and ask him questions and interview him, that, that would be quite incredible, wouldn't it? Well, Pilate and Herod had the chance of a lifetime here to become friends with Jesus. Instead, they rejected Jesus and became friends with each other. That's just a travesty. Herod teaches us not to dabble in spiritual matters. Don't treat Jesus as an interesting subject to discuss or as a sideshow to see him perform. Step right up and see Jesus heal the sick. If you treat Jesus as less than anything than the Son of God who gave himself for your sins or you use theology as an interesting topic to dodge the need for repentance, then you're treating him with contempt. And that was Herod's fatal mistake. He, Pilate, and the Jewish leaders all rejected Christ for different reasons. And they teach us, teach us to beware lest we, lest we fall into those same fatal errors. Well, number two, the Christ that they rejected, it shows us why we should, uh, why we should repent, why we should trust in him. I want you to note three things. A, Jesus was innocent of any wrongdoing. Three times Pilate proclaimed the innocence of Jesus. The mistreatment of Jesus at the hands of sinners, that fulfilled prophecies that Jesus made concerning himself. It also fulfilled many Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah as the suffering servant. Jesus is that spotless Lamb of God, the only sacrifice for our sins. Isaiah 53.6 puts it this way, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Then verse 9 says, Yet he did no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Jesus was innocent. B, Jesus laid aside his rights uh, in, in obedience to God. Jesus, as the Son of God, had the right to speak the word, and all of these Jewish leaders would have fallen dead on the spot. And when Pilate told Jesus that he had authority to release him or crucify him, do you remember what Jesus said back to him? He said, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. If Jesus had selfishly clung to his rights, we would not be saved. His voluntary offering of himself as the sacrifice for our sins, that should make us trust him and turn from all our sins out of love for him. We'll see Jesus bore faithful witness by his words and by his silent dignity. It's, it's amazing what silence can do. When Pilate asked Jesus if he was the king of the Jews, Jesus couldn't say no and be truthful. Neither could he say an unqualified yes because he was not the king in the way that the Jews had accused him to Pilate. So he replied, you say that I am. Now, Luke doesn't record the further uh, exchange between Jesus and Pilate, but John tells us how Jesus bore witness of the truth. And do you remember Pilate's response to that truth? What is truth? 
Jesus didn't respond at all to Herod's questions because he knew that Herod was not open to repentance. Now, here's a, here's a hard lesson. When Jesus is silent towards you, you're in deep trouble. Jesus always responds to the seeking heart, but the Lord scoffs in silence at the scoffers. Now today, whether you are ready or not, you have had some kind of encounter with Jesus Christ. Perhaps like Pilate, you didn't even plan on it. You just thought it'd be a good day to go to church, right? Maybe it's part of your normal routine. That's fine. But Jesus stands before you. He confronts you with your need to repent of your sins. It's not enough to pronounce Jesus not guilty and then go on with your life. That's what Pilate tried to do first. You must come to grips with who he is. Do you remember who Jesus said he is? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Well, as the risen Lord, exalted to the right hand of the power of God, he also is the coming king who will judge all who reject him. And here's the simple truth. You cannot dodge him. You may think you're dodging him here on this earth, but there's coming a day when you will stand before him to face now what is your verdict on Jesus is it guilty then you're seriously wrong or, or do you say not guilty well you're right but that may not be enough either the only correct verdict for you on Jesus Christ is for you to turn from all of your sin to trust him as your savior and to follow him as your Lord and that's it let's pray Father, again, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this, this, uh, the reality of these religious leaders and Pilate and Herod who all rejected your son, Jesus Christ. And, and we understand that was part of your plan from the get-go, from eternity past. But still, Father, we face similar things today in our own lives, even as believers, where we want to set aside you. We want to set aside your son, Jesus Christ. God, forgive us. Uh, heal our hearts, draw us close to you. And again, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, pray that you would make it clear to them their need of Christ. Help them to see him for who he really is. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you're a believer this morning and you're sitting out there and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, you need to do that first and foremost. Do not reject Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, you may not know exactly what that means, and if that's the case, I want to talk to you. And we'll, we'll go to Scripture, and I'll show you what the Bible says about being born again, about coming to faith in Jesus Christ. If there's something stirring inside of you, don't run from it. Run to it, all right? Come and talk to me about it. If you're a believer, I, I know that, that uh, you know, this, this really is an evangelistic type message, but I hope that in the religious leaders, in Pilate, in Herod, we get some vision of ourselves and see, yeah, sometimes I'm like that, right? Just, when, we, when, we, when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, you know, first, the first time, it'd be great if all the sin in our life was done with, but it's not. We all struggle. So I hope as a believer that you see yourself in these three different groups, these three different people who reject Christ. In what ways are you rejecting Christ even as a believer? That's what God's working on in your life. 
He doesn't want you to reject Christ in any way. He wants to have full reign, full lordship over your life. But that's between you and God. You listen to him and you do accordingly. Be obedient. Jesus was obedient. If Jesus would have had his way, what was his way in the Garden of Gethsemane? If there be any way, let this cup pass from me. In other words, I don't want to go through this. And he says, but not as I will, but as you will. He laid down what he wanted in obedience to the Father. Guess what? We need to lay down what we want to be obedient to the Father. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, crawfordvillefbc.com.